in this 11th session now on Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, we're going to focus on being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I, therefore, a prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthily of the calling to which you have been called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, enduring one another in love, being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so that ends the sentence. How to walk worthily of the calling to which we have been called. That's the focus of this text. The first answer was, lowliness is showing the worth of your call. It is fitting. That's what worthily means, fitting your calling, being appropriate to your calling, conforming to your calling, revealing the value of your calling and that you really are attached to it and in love with it. Lowliness is the first one. Meekness is the second one. Long-suffering is third. Enduring one another in love is the fourth. And now this one is the one we focus on in this session. Father, show us what this eagerness flows from. Show us what the eagerness is for and show us how to obey this implicit command that we keep or maintain the unity of the Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll come back at the end to eagerness. Eagerness. But before we can focus on how eagerness flows from or reflects the worth of our calling and the fitness of the eagerness to the calling, let's figure out what the unity of the Spirit is and maintain. Maintain means we don't create this unity, right? We can all see that. Keep is another word for this. Be eager to keep or maintain something that exists, profoundly exists, created by God, not us. So be sure you don't read that to mean you got to muster this up and bring about the reality that doesn't exist. It does exist. It's the unity of the Spirit. What does of the Spirit mean? I think it means three things. We'll see whether this is so. Created by the Spirit. Consisting in the Spirit. The Spirit as the most important and central common denominator of Christians. And third, preserved by the Spirit. Now, I know it says here, you maintain it, you preserve it. And I'm going to argue that just as with all such moral, spiritual commands, we are to do them by the Spirit. So that it is the Spirit who creates the unity, the Spirit who is the unity, and the Spirit who preserves the unity. Let's see whether that is so. Take the idea of of here as unity of the Spirit, meaning unity created 
by the Spirit. Here is chapter 2, verse 18. For through Him, through Christ, we both have access to God in one Spirit. So in or by the Spirit, we have access to the Father. The Spirit is the one who creates the very possibility that there is a church, that there is any connection to Christ and the Father at all. Here it is confirmed in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. In one Spirit, we have all been baptized into one body. So we get into the body of Christ by the Spirit. Jews are Greek, slaves are free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. So whether our union with the body is described as a baptism or a common drinking, the agent of that union with the body of Christ, coming to be part of the body of Christ, is the Spirit. Here it is again in Romans 8 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. If we belong to Christ, if we are in Christ, it is owing to the Spirit of Christ working that reality. Here it is, perhaps even most clearly, in 1 Corinthians 12, 3. I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, and mean it, can say authentically, in reality, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit or in the Spirit. Which means, if you confess that Jesus is Lord, the Spirit did that, and it's by confessing Jesus is Lord that we are justified and made part of the body of Christ. Therefore, the Holy Spirit creates the life and the unity that we have in Christ. One more text on this. 2 Corinthians 3, 6. God has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This life is our calling. We were called out of deadness into life. In chapter 2, verse 5 of Ephesians. And that life was brought about by the work of the life giving Holy Spirit. So, my first answer to what does of mean here? Unity of the Spirit is unity created by the Spirit. There would be no union with Christ and no union with each other because there would be no salvation, no new birth without the work of the Holy Spirit, who brings about all of this. What about the second meaning for of? Namely, it consists in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And there I'm thinking of this passage in the previous chapter, ending with verse 22 of Ephesians 2. In him, in Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now think about that. God the Spirit constitutes the church as a place for God. 
which means that God inhabits his people by the Spirit, which means the Spirit is the most important common denominator of all Christians in the universe. He is God, very God, a very God. And when God dwells with his people, in his people, it is by the Spirit, and therefore the Spirit is God in his people. If there was any common denominator, if there was anything we could call the unity, it would be the Spirit, which doesn't diminish the fact that Christ is our peace and our unity as well. But we cannot neglect that as a meaning of unity of the Spirit, unity consisting in the presence of the Spirit in all believers. And here's a third one. He is the one who enables us to obey this. And so it's the unity of the Spirit that is the unity which the Spirit preserves. And I would point to Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit, what does he do for unified believers? Believers who have been made one. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering, as we've seen, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, as we've seen, self-control. In other words, the very features, the very traits that are required for unity are the work of the Spirit. And so my answer to the question, what does unity of the Spirit means? It means he created it, he is it, and he preserves it. And he preserves it in the bond of peace, which is what Jesus bought, which leads me now, that will become obvious as we close with this. Walking worthily of our calling means walking in a way that fits with, accords with, conforms to, the worth and the beauty and the importance and the greatness of this calling. And Paul is saying, if you are walking that way, what will mark you is this eagerness. You will not be indifferent to this unity. You cannot be indifferent to this unity and walk worthily of your calling, because worthily of your calling means eagerness to maintain this. Why does this eagerness mean that we are acting in a way that's fitting our calling? Why is eagerness for this unity a mark of walking, fitting our calling? And and the reason is that the cost of the calling out of death, into life, into unity with other believers across all ethnicities and with God was infinite. In Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near into unity with Jew and Gentile and the Father by the blood of Christ. That is priceless. That's what I mean by infinite. The blood of Christ is what it cost to create this unity. Or, 2.14, for he himself is our peace. Christ is our peace. Just like the Spirit is our peace, only in a different way. Christ purchased the peace, became the 
peace as we're united with him by the Spirit, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall. His flesh had to be torn and the blood had to flow out of it as he suffered in order to create this. The cost is priceless. And one more verse, 16. And might reconcile us both to God. So the unity that we have is with God and with each other in one body through the cross. This bloodshedding, this flesh tearing happened on the cross. And that cross was that through which we are reconciled to God and to each other. So, the reason eagerness to keep and maintain this unity is fitting is because this call out of death into life, into forgiveness, into a a hope that cannot be measured, because all that is so valuable, the cost is infinite. We will be eager to keep the unity because the cost of the unity was infinite.